Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Today's podcast was recorded before the Bellu Hair 2 postponement announcement, which makes what you're about to hear in today's show even more freaky. It's like we're predicting the future. This, 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 Fight Disciples. We are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. Welcome to episode 153 of the Fight Disciples podcast. This one dedicated to the world of boxing. You can keep up to date with everything that we get up to every single day of the week via our social media sites at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. It's a new Facebook page, so you're going to have to re-like it if you liked our old one. I fucked up. So you've got to go back, re-like the new one and you're definitely going to want to re-like it because we've got some stuff coming for you over the next couple of weeks because as you may have seen, we done At Home with Tony Bellew. Oh, yeah, baby. Now, there's a reason why there's a slight delay on this. And it's not because we're trying to obviously tease you. It's not at all. We want to give you the information. We want to we want to show you what it's like at the Bombers' house. We want to have a little bit of a crack with you. The problem is, is that Nick and Tony go back way back. They go <laughs> so far back. And what happened was, is that an hour conversation turned into two and a half hours of these two just wanking each other off. Well, mates, I hadn't seen them for ages. Mate, fuck it, we'll save it for your own time. We're making a programme. <laughs> Not halfway through the show going... I see you, Mike, our producer, oh, just kind man. of drifted off midway through. Fucking we were chatting yeah. about... Talking about going to school day. together, talking about girls they used to chase, talking about different boxing... Even the amateur days of when Tony used to fight when he were 11 years of age. <laughs> I'm sat there going, lads, any chance? Any... We actually spent 40 minutes to be talking about his amateur debut. Mate. After fucking height and leisure. I went in the back room and played PlayStation with his kid for half an hour whilst you two finished up. I didn't even notice. I had my slippers on and everything. Slippers, dressing gown, smoking jacket. Honestly, they were shooting the breeze, to say the yeah. least. So, uh, unfortunately, our quick fire at home with Bellu no podcast chance. needs editing badly. <laughs> this is There's about two and a half hours worth of tackle there. <laughs> and it's all videoed as well. The whole point was to make videos for you to go and have a look and we'll have a little bit of a tour around his house. Not a cat and house chance. We just sat down and like, got our pyjamas on and had a right old crack. Anyway, it is coming in the next two weeks. Make sure you're following us on social media to have a nosy at that. should be an absolute cracker. At Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, we'll start with Belfast, shall we? Because there's quite a lot to talk about in the world of boxing, mainly heavyweights. We'll get to that a little later on in the show, but we're going to start with Belfast. Um, it was all about Frampton Reborn. That was the moniker on the, on the, on the ticket, right? However, you may have noticed, Nick, I've decided not to use Frampton as today's uh, front cover. Oh, yep. no. I'm even, I'm even not even referring to Frampton in today's title for this show because there was a pun there just glaring me in the face. And it was all about Zolani. It was all about Mr. Tete, who didn't... Like I said on Twitter last night, he must have had a, a dinner reservation because he was in and out quicker than you could even blink, all right? Check this out. His opponent was called Gonya, yeah? Mm-hmm. 
gone you in 60 seconds. Brilliant. But he went in 11 seconds. But you know where I'm going with this. You know where I'm going, eh? Don't let the facts get in the way of a no, good no, no, headline. No. Never let the facts get in the way of a good <laughs> too, headline. Too, too broad uh, newspaper journalist that's attitude there. That's it, that's it. We'll get to him in a minute. First, Frampton, all right? Yeah, yeah. Because when Frampton gets in the ring, I think to myself, he started so well. Looks fresh as a Amazing. daisy. Amazing. Shot selection absolutely nailed on. Yeah. First couple of rounds, I kind of switched off a little bit because it seemed a bit of a cakewalk. A walk in the park, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. First five or six rounds, I was just like, fucking hell, this is kind of playing out of script absolutely perfectly. I thought he looked great, looked nice and sharp. Shot selection, I think sometimes you, because we haven't seen him for almost a year, mm-hmm. you, you forget how good Frampton is. You forget how good at everything he is. You know, and it's kind of like, I remember when we spoke to Jamie Moore after he first moved over there and then we chatted, chatting to Rocky Fielding about the, what he brings to the camp. And when you're watching box, you think, fucking hell, he's got everything. He's literally got everything. His mm. shot selection's perfect. That reverse counter, which they picked up on on commentary where he throws the right hand, but it's the, it's the left that follows it that actually does the damage. Mm. He times that so well. But um, well, I, I but you know what? I, this guy, you know, he's fighting a guy in Garcia that wasn't there to make up the numbers. Listen, yeah. Canelo Alvarez didn't fly all the way from fucking uh, California. Nicaragua. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> he didn't fly all the way from California to, uh, you know, to, to get airtime sitting next to Frank Warren. You know, as great as Frank is, and I'd love to sit next to Frank myself. I'm not knocking it. But he came here to watch his, his boy win. He came all this way to watch to cheer Garcia to victory. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, halfway through the fight, it didn't look like it was possibly going to happen. And then suddenly you thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute, let's be careful here, Carl. Put your foot down again. And mm. thankfully down the stretch he did. But there was a few couple of rounds in there. Do you think thought, he was put off a little bit that that um I think it was a slip. I don't think it should have been classed as a knockdown. It was classed as a knockdown. Do you think that upset him and threw him off his game plan a little bit? Because from that moment it seemed to unravel a little bit and he was doing stuff that he shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think um I, I was happy with it being scored a knockdown. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, you know, I, could, I thought his legs were going even before the shot. Was he did. Thrown. He seemed to. He's, he was falling over his own feet, but the shot landed. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a knockdown. The one later in the fight, that was a clear slip. You know, he, yeah, he lost his footing, and the guy never threw a punch. For me, that's a slip. If you kind of lose your footing, but you get caught. Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm all day happy for that to be called a knockdown because you got caught. Whether your feet were tied up or not, you got caught. Fair enough. A shot landed. So I was quite happy with that being scored. But I thought from then it wasn't necessarily Frampton let his game plan go out the window. I think Garcia thought, okay, well, this is what I've been waiting for. Then I'm going to step it up now. I can't hate him. Yeah. And I think at that point as well, Frampton, the crowd got going. No, the, the crowd really picked up because I think the atmosphere was amazing. But I think by the end of, the end of round four, round five, I think even the... Belfast fans were going like, "What are, what are you up to later, mate?" Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Everyone kind of lost he was cruising because he was cruising. Yeah. And I think when he got when he when the stoppage went, uh, sorry, when the slip came in or the, or the knockdown, sorry, the referees obviously giving him a count. The crowd went, "Okay, he needs us now. Come on!" And everyone got rowdy. And I think. Frampton responded to that by going, okay, game plan out the window, let's have it. I'll show you, you're in my backyard. And that fell into Garcia's hands. And it was only later on in the fight when Jamie Moore snapped him back in and went, hey, bollocks, this is close now. For, for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. It, this guy's got, you've left the door open a little bit and then I thought Frampton shut it, shut the show, so. Mm. Uh, I didn't get to listen to the majority of the commentary because I was watching this on mute as yeah. I was doing something else at that time. Um, 
I saw that Scott was there. I saw mm-hmm. that Josh Warrington was there. Scott's got some big balls going up there, mate, because going into Frampton's backyard in the yeah. lanes then, after getting beat off Frampton previously in Manchester, I bet he was getting tons, absolutely tons from everybody ringside. Yeah. Fair play to the kid for standing there and taking it. But that's Scott, isn't it? That's Scott yeah. all over, you know what I mean? He's like, fuck it, I'll go. That's the big fight out there for him. You know, he wants to be in the mix with those guys because all the commentary was talking about, of course, is the, the, the three that Frank Warren's got association with. So Selby, Warrington, who was doing some commentary, and obviously Frampton, who was in the ring Scott Quigg's not attached to Frank Warren but Scott Quigg's like hey boys whoa whoa I want to be in the mix so good yeah. on him to, I'm fucking going I'm, and he can do, and, I'm flying over there and I'm going to have a go and he's based in America so therefore he could genuinely do a Matchroom America show yeah exactly yeah but, or, be, but, or, or negotiate in that way but also he's you know as we know he was at the that Santa Cruz Marez semi-final fast last month he was there he was ringside for that he was, he's in the mix he's in that area so actually, I think he's probably a little bit closer to the winner of that fight. Than and I think is. Frampton's a bit closer to the winner of Selby because what Warrington, because what Frampton said afterwards was, listen, Marez, Santa Cruz are going to do it in the spring. I'd love to be fight the winner. Warrington and Selby are going to do it in the spring. I'd love to fight the winner. Ideally for me, I want to bring the winner of one of them to here, to Croke Park or whatever it may be. or you know, Windsor. The, the, Windsor Park, sorry, in the summer. So that's what I, and if I have to wait till summer to make that happen, that's fine. I'm happy to do that. So I was like, okay. So Frampton kind of gives us a little insight there and where he's going. He definitely wants a world title next, whether it's Selby, Warrington winner or Santa Cruz, Mares, you know, we're waiting to find out. But mm. again, good on, uh, good on our mate for being over there. You know, at the end of the day, it wasn't his show. It's not like it's an Eddie Hearn show. No. You know, he's just gone over there and gone, fuck it, man. I'll throw my name in the hat. Regarding um, Selby. And the rumour is that it will, if he comes through his fight on December the 9th, it's going to be Warrington next. That's yeah. what he's going to be doing, all yeah. right? Well, Frampton basically said the same thing. He, yeah, yeah. He, he basically let the cat out the bag. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely happening in spring. And and he needs, he start, he needs definitely in his names now to Selby, doesn't he? You know Desperately. what I mean? Otherwise, he becomes, like you've just said, on many occasions, the other Manchester champion that was knocking about when Ricky Atten was doing his business in junior yeah. witter. He becomes one of those, doesn't yeah. he? A world champion that he hasn't fought anybody. Of course. I've just looked at his previous opponents since he became world champ. Selby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Montiel, Hunter, Gago, Barros, Ramirez. Nobody knows any of those names. No, Montiel was a legend in his day, but in his day, he was well past the sell-by date by that fight happened. So, but yeah, exactly. That's the point I'm trying to make. And to be honest, I was, I was surprised. It's only the fact that he's probably in camp. Because I was like, Where the, where's Selby? Yeah. Selby's the obvious one that should be here going, hey, I'm the fucking only world champ out of all these four fights. in three weeks though, isn't it? But maybe that's what it was, yeah. Because he missed, because it was kind of like the conversation went on without him. You know, Quigg's there going, hey, I'll fight any of these guys, line them up. Frampton's saying, this is what's happening and I'm quite happy to wait for the winner. Selby was the voice that was missing because to me, Selby's the one that holds all the aces with those four British fighters. Yeah, he's he the one that goes, and to be honest, beating Josh Warrington, it's probably going to make him some money if it happens in Leeds. You know, I think it's a fight he wins comfortably, to be honest. I like Josh Warrington, but I don't think he's got the power to scare Selby. For me, if Selby was there, he'd have gone, why, why am I not asked about Josh Warrington? I want Frampton. Look at this. Look at the look at the crowd. Look at the potential for money here. Or I'll have Scott Quigg because I know you sell out Manchester as well. Mm. Like it, it's kind of like Selby's getting the he's getting Warrington, who's the step two Frampton or Quigg when there's no weird, need. when he's the world champion. Yeah, when there's no need for it, really. Yeah, he's the he's the guy that holds all the aces. But fair play for Josh Warrington for getting yeah. himself in that mix because I think we'd all agree that out of all those four that we we've talked about. Three are on one level, yeah, and then he's probably just underneath. But you know them. what? And again, you know, I think right now, Betton and the bookies would prove it. Warrington starter as the underdog against all three of those guys. 
But Josh Warrington's undefeated. Yeah. He's never lost a fight. And every time he steps up, he gets better. He's an undefeated fighter. And he's starting, and he's stopping starting people. to stop people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all, all the questions about him being pillow-fisted and everything else, now you've got to try and reassess them and go, oh, wait a minute, he's actually stopping people now. Mm. So he might know something we don't. He might be the sleeping giant amongst the four of them. We just don't know. Looks like Selby's going to find out in spring. Speaking about pillow fist, one man that definitely doesn't have him, Zelani Tete. Mate. Listen, we fell in love with this kid, even though he knocked out our met, right? Yeah. In Liverpool against Paul, Paul Butler, Butler, he put in. He was the only, the guy that nobody knew anything about. He came in and he put in a phenomenal performance yeah. against uh, Paul and stopped him. The rise of Zelani Teddy since then has been one of those where why is he not getting more credit? Why is he not getting more column issues? Why is he not on the TV more? Because the kid is unbelievable. And we put that down to maybe being connected to a, a station at the time, Box Nation, yeah. that is subscription only, boxing hardcore only, really. Yeah. If he'd have been on Sky Sports, if it had been on terrestrial TV, I'm sure a lot more people would be going absolutely crazy about him. Now this BT deal, we, we listed a few fighters, didn't we, that we think would benefit from that BT deal, getting more into the mainstream, getting getting to the eyes of the of the football fan rather than the hardcore boxing fan, which is what's needed if we want to transcend the sport and grow the sport. We want to create new fans. And we created a list and Zelani was on there, but he was right down the list because, again, even though he, we think he's a phenomenal talent, he's not one of those household names that, because he's not necessarily a British national, but he's re- he, he residents in here in, yeah. in the UK, in Liverpool, is the following there for him. Now, you're watching what he did at the weekend. He's gone there with one purpose. Frank's put him on that card for one purpose only. It's Belfast. Yeah. In that weight division, Ryan Burnett is the, the champion. Well, champion. Well, he's got, he's got two of the belts. Exactly there. I'm led to, I didn't see any of the commentary last night, but I'm led to believe he was there, Ryan Burnett, having a little bit of a nosy in. Now, Zelani walks in there last night. All the Irish fans are probably giving him tons because we've got the champ. Who, who the bloody hell are you? 11 seconds, mate. Yeah, exactly. A new world record. Yeah. If you want to make a statement, that is how you make a statement. Just for, the, for those that don't know, a brand spanking world record knockout. Fastest KO in a world title fight. 11 seconds at the weekend. He walks in, skipped to his left, threw a right. Bada! I'm off now, lads. Going to go and get a shower. It was mental because I'm I'm sitting there. I've got Box Nation on. I'm ready to you know the show. Basically, the broadcast started with this fight, and then it went to BT Sports for the four Irish you know title fights. Um, and I had this fight on, ready to go. And uh, Jane's upstairs making sure the kids are all asleep and everything else. And I thought, you know what? This is the perfect opportunity to run up and have a slash. I shit you not. So goes upstairs as a slash. Jane's like, yeah, yeah, he's gone down. Sound okay? I said, listen, I'm gonna go down. Pour myself a glass of wine. Going to get you a glass of wine. I've set you up in the living room. You're all sorted. Stranger <laughs> Things episode three. Crack on. I'm in the main room. Got the plasma on. Fucking great. Yeah, everyone's happy. Great. Goes back downstairs. He's got his arm raised. <laughs> no shit. I was like, what the fuck? Luckily, I've got it on record. So I'm like, straight away, I'm like, I'm, rec- I'm going to have to record it. It's like, 11. One Are you punch. shitting me? One punch, man. One shot. Yeah. One shot. And listen, on paper, I was like, you know, okay. He's going to win. Ganya's, got, Ganya's here for a reason. But still, 11 seconds in a world title fight. What a fucking statement. And I I didn't see Burnett, but I know that uh, Adam Booth was there. Yeah. And Adam Booth was like, listen, I'm going over to Belfast. I'm going to have a little look here, a potential unification champion and blah, blah. And he never mentioned it. Obviously, he's, he's talking about Tete. He must have been a bit like, fuck that. <laughs> we, we need this guy fucking like we need an ex-Rona like that ass. shit there's no way nobody needs it's, Tete I wouldn't be surprised it's like costed two of the bantamweight oh, division can you imagine like if Adam Booth sat down got in his seat right, I'll have a look yeah, at this yeah. kid bang 
fuck that shit and just got straight up and walked out the arena. <laughs> nah, exactly. yeah, you're all right, lad. You're all right. Yeah, See you in a bit. Yeah. Ta-da. So, so he's walking in the arena and he's, he's on the phone to Eddie here and he's going, I know, Eddie, I know Paul Butler's waiting. I know. I'm just going to... Listen... Can I let you know in the morning? Puts the phone down thinking, well, I'll fucking have a look at Tete first because this is another world title belt. He sits down. Ding, ding, round one. Push. <laughs> Hi, Eddie. <laughs> it's Adam. What's, what's, uh, what's Jamie McDonald doing? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. Jesus Christ, man. See you later. Absolutely. Uh, to be fair... He's a nice kid, man. I'd love he's, to see it. I've interviewed Tete a couple of times and I know the, the scouse guy that kind of looks after him. He's not his manager. His, his team come with him, but... Uh, they're a nice circle of people and uh, Tete is such a nice humble kid but he's deadly man he's proved mm. this before and it's frightening to think that Paul Butler that's almost three years ago that was March 2015 I think it was and almost three years ago he starts Paul Butler and yet he seems to have kind of like Paul Butler he's had a couple of international belts and whatever yeah. else but He's been treading water at bantamweight until this weekend. And it's like, okay, world title belt on the line. Finally, another world title belt. I fucking deserve it. Okay, watch this. Bingo. See you later. Ryan Bayonet. The exit just flapping as Bayonet's on his way out the door. Was Ryan gone? <laughs> was Ryan gone for a piss? Or halfway home in a taxi. Is he, is he coming back? Is his seat taken? <laughs> Not that we're saying that he is running, but I would. if I were him, I'd be thinking, maybe later down the line. Zalani Tetti Get is out the, the way. captain of the who the fuck needs him. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> Uh, another kid that impressed me at the weekend was uh, Jerwin Anjas. Absolutely, it's easy for you to say. Yeah, yeah, mate, he was absolutely tremendous. I said, uh, I said going into the this last week, Jamie's got his hands full, right? Yeah. Out the Conlon brothers, no disrespect to him. Michael's the one, isn't it? Yeah. Jamie, he loves a bit of a brawl. I've always had my doubts regarding whether he has that X Factor, that world-class X Factor. He's done very well to get to this particular point in order to uh, get himself a world title shot. There's many people, you know, right, that uh, were saying that Ancajas is the weakest out of the Superfly champions. Weakest. Mental. Mate, what I saw at the weekend... No I mean, I, 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 if, you, if you went to Belfast at the weekend and you watched this geezer up front, this reminds me what it was like for me to watch Crawler against Linares. Yeah. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm there purely to watch Crawler, support Crawler, want him to win. Of course I want him to win, but to, I can appreciate the poetry yeah. that uh, Lenari's knocked out that night. He was absolutely sensational, and I was watching it on the TV, and fair play, Conlon's got fucking ball, King Kong-sized balls, mate, no, for no. keep coming. Just kept coming. But there was a massive level gap, mate. He was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. The super flies, to be fair, for little lads... There's some serious talent knocking about in that division, isn't there? Yeah. Well, I, th- I thought when he boxed the other week, I was like, Cal, you're fine, man. He's got to be the best in this weight class. He's he's so good at everything he does. But then you, every time you watch one of these world champions from this super flyweight The kid division, that beat uh, Chocolatito oh, was superb. He's a monster as well. Yeah, exactly. But this, again, this, this weekend, I think Anka has fights like that, puts in that kind of performance. And listen, I know you're right. Conlon is a step below this level. He's a step below the Cal, Fies of this world. But I think, you know, Rob McCracken and that watching that go, who the fuck needs this Ankahas? Forget about that IBF belt. We don't need that. We've got our own world title belt. Let's keep moving onwards and upwards because 
to come in and put a performance like that. The kid travels well. You know, this is not the first time he's travelled yeah. and done that kind of performance. You he, well, can see he was why the, the Philippines are getting behind this mate. kid as the next... Uh, he's the next man. You know, he's just fucking... The minute he stepped class. in, I remember watching him vaguely. Even walking to the ring and yeah. Belfast Arena, they're all screaming at him and he's beaming from ear to ear. Like, and he's touching gloves with people. People are trying to punch him yeah. and he's touching gloves. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm having a good time. Like Manny. Like, like what Manny does. Hell. I remember watching him on the undercard of the Jeff Owen fight. But very, very, I only watched a couple of rounds and I yeah, thought, yeah. Fucking hell, he's like a carbon copy, this kid. He's on his toes, bouncing around. He throws that straight left, like, exactly how Manny throws it. I'm yep. thinking, has he watched many Manny Pacquiao fights down the years? Probably a few, the kid. And then watching him last night, now, okay, Manny's a freak. Manny does whatever he does, right, down the years. But you can see there's elements of yep. the, what this kid has obviously watched Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao is obviously his hero. And he, he's, he's mimicked. There's certain things that he mimics, the way that he bounces quite a lot on the front of his feet and the way that he throws that straight left. And I just thought to myself, he looks the fucking nuts, this kid. Yeah. And like you say, on the ring walk, smiling, giving it the touches, all Love that it. type of stuff. I tell you, new superstar there last night, mate. But he kind of done his own work as well. You know, you fight, uh, you know, when, you, when your challenge is in his hometown, you know he's going to be full of pride. But then you also look at the fact that Conlon's 31. You know, it can't be easy for him to get the, down to that weight anymore. He obviously lives in Spain to help with that come along. And Anka has just got in there. And you could see straight away, he was like, I'm going to kill this kid to the body. It was like, a, it was almost like a dream show for me because there was so many body shot finishes. Mm. Like people were hitting me on Twitter going, you got the Kleenex out, son? <laughs> um, just because it was fucking awesome yeah. in that regard, you know, I thought. But but to be honest, by the time we got to Conlon, go heading into the fight, like last week we talked about it and I was like, so mission tough. impossible it's, it's a bit of a mission impossible like because I don't think Conlon's at this level but we're going to find out and if he's going to do it anyway it's going to be here in Belfast on a Frampton card because it'll be mental and then I'm watching the show and I'm like okay I messaged a good mate of mine Danny Vaughan who's head coach from uh, uh, MTK Marbella yeah. and he's got Conlon he's got John Joe Carroll he's got Paddy Barnes who were all in title class here and I'm watching it. John Joe Carroll produces the performance of his life you know and, and to stop a kid and this is a guy that doesn't stop anyone yeah, yeah. wins a belt and then Paddy Barnes gets in. He does the absolute business as well. Another sensational body shop finish. And I'm thinking, okay, it could be on this. This could be a, like a really nice treble for MTK Marbella, you know, because them three train together and it's like momentum's with them. Yeah, yeah. Two stoppages already. Conlon gets in there and I thought, here we go. But within 30 seconds, you're like, fuck, he's out of his depth. Yeah. He's out of his depth. Mm, he was. Um, tremendous night in Belfast, even though... Do you know what, I've, what I will say about Frank's cards? Uh, normally, when I say a tremendous night somewhere, mm-hmm. it's because the fighters that we wanted to win and went on to win, and they went on to win emphatically. Yeah. But what I will say about Frank's cards, and I've got to take my hat off to him on this, a lot of competitive fights in there. He doesn't, you know, allow, and I'm not pointing the finger anywhere else, but he doesn't allow gimmies. No. If you're going to fight on his card, you've got to be some value for money for the fans. And I think yeah. every single time, well, the last two weeks in particular, there's been value for money. Yeah. Even even on the undercard, when you look at the kids who are like 2-0, 3-0, the fighting guys who are 4-1, 2-1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're not necessarily, they're not all, I know there's one or two gimmies on there. I think David Joyce, uh, he, he fought a guy with a with a massive amount of losses on his record. But the rest of the guys on there were pretty evenly matched, you know? And uh, we talked about this last week, and I think we got a bit of shit over it as well, because people were going, ah, oh, you know, fucking get out of Frank's ass. We're like, well, all we're saying is, Frank Warren and BT Sport, they're putting on competitive shows. There is, even, even like, there's no, like, floater that put, they put on and go, oh, and here's an Olympian against some Latvian journeyman, mm. just to keep you going until this fight happens. It's like, 
tough title fight, tough title fight, tough title fight. It's like, fucking hell, you, you do 100% get value for money. I think all them Irish fights, yeah, Paddy Barnes looked like a step above winning that uh, version of the Intercontinental Flyweight title. But come on, he's only had four fucking fights and he's in a, a world title eliminated, effectively. He's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a junior world title. So the fact he looks step above, that's no knock on his opponent necessarily. His opponent's had almost 45 fights and won over 30 of them. Hmm. It's just credit to how good Paddy Barnes is, how fucking talented the kid is. After four fights, in his fifth fight, he's winning an Intercontinental belt. Uh, and, and then John Joe Carroll goes out and stops a kid in, a, in his own first step up to some kind of international title as well against a decent opponent, hmm. but he's putting stoppage in. He doesn't stop anyone, yet he's stopping people. He got a bad cut, and then he, he went into the trenches, and, and you could see they just went, fuck it, man, get him out of there, John Joe. And, like, he just gets in there and fucking drills him away, and he looks like King... What's it called from 200? Was it, what was the movie? 300? Oh, he looks like, uh, like Gerard a, Butler in that. He's like a pint-sized version of Gerard Butler yeah, in that, a yeah. Bit, he? Cracking beard. Mad, mad beard respect there. Like, uh, huge give that beard respect. Yeah. I thought you'd be all over that, yeah. Um, listen, that was the boxing last night. We've got a little bit to preview coming up this week with Kovalev being back in action, fighting for the WBO light heavyweight uh, vacant title. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show, but I want to talk about the WBO heavyweight champion at this moment in time because I managed to catch up with him on Saturday night. We had a little bit of a chat, a little bit yeah. of a chinwag. Um, regarding everything that is going on with him, his advisors, Anthony Joshua, we're going to get to him in a minute with his Instagram, bum and heck, um, and various other things that are going on in the world. Now, my argument, as I put out on social media last week, was, and, and this you're going to hear a lot of this in the conversation that we all had with Tony Bellew when we were around at his house. There's too much focus on splits mm. at this moment in time when you're talking about, an, especially an Anthony Joshua fight. Oh, I think I'm worth 50-50. Oh, I think I'm worth 60-40. When in reality, you might, in our eyes, be worth an 80-20. Stop thinking about the split. Think about how much money you're going to get paid compared to how much money you've earned yeah. elsewhere in mm. other fights. Now, my argument with Josie Parker was 20% of an Anthony Joshua fight is still five times more than he's ever earned previously in any other fight. So why not take it at 20%? Now, his argument would be, of, of which he came back to me with, was, well, I'm world champion. I don't see myself... I've got myself into this situation through credibility because the belt was vacant. I was the manager challenger. I won the belt. I've defended the belt. Now I'm in a situation where I want paying what I believe I am worth. I don't want to sell myself short. And I can understand that. You want to... End of the day, he does have a bargaining chip. He does have the WBO belt. Mm -hmm. Now, on the flip side of that, he then started talking to me about Charles Martin, right? Now, when Charles Martin came uh, to the UK to fight Anthony Joshua, he was paid five million quid. I think everybody knows that, yeah. which is absolutely fucking We're using ludicrous. the word fight. We're using the word yeah. fight very loosely here as well. But he was paid five million quid. Yeah. Now, the offer that Eddie Hearn made to Joseph Parker and his team, David Higgins, was less than five million quid. And that's what they're insulted at. I don't think, from talking to him, it's not necessarily a percentage split that he's pissed off about. He's, they're annoyed that they are being offered less for a, unif a world unification fight than um, a, man a mandatory challenge. All right? That's what basically he's being, uh, yeah. he's being offered. Now, my argument back was, well, at the time, Anthony Joshua wasn't world champion. No. So they paid over the odds for that. Because they wanted that. They seen Charles Martin as a someone Anthony Joshua Easy. could beat at that stage in the Absolutely. career. Absolutely. I went, right, we'll pay you more than you'll ever earn anywhere else. Come. Come and fight our guy, Anthony Joshua. Fight Anthony Joshua. Take your five million quid. Knew what it meant. Go on with your tail between your legs because that's the leverage that we need then to get ourselves into the bigger fights and Clutch the bigger money. And blah, blah, blah. Plus, as we've said on this show many, many times, when you put a pay per view on and it's for the heavyweight championship of the world, it's worth more money. Exactly. 
Facts. That's just yeah. the way it is. So that's what happened at that period of time. They paid over the odds for Charles Martin, and therefore that's why they paid five million quid. Now, his argument back was, well, I don't give a shit. That's, they did that. They made that. Uh, They've set president. They've set president. Cool. They paid that. Fi- they paid that five million quid for a geezer that came over, who was the heavyweight champion. I'm the heavyweight champion, so my starting price is five million quid. End of. Mm-hmm. And you can't argue with that, can you really? No. Because they've set that they they've in set themselves prices. set their own pricing bracket. Exactly. So they, they were willing to pay Charles Martin five million quid. So the the, the the profit line must be bigger for Anthony Joshua and Freddie. And they're not going to pay him and go, we're going to lose money on this, by the way, guys, but it will get us a world title belt. There's obviously still a profit to make. And since then, Anthony Joshua has gone stratospheric in yeah. terms of where there's money. You're probably is. talking 15, 20 million pound a fight. Tens of millions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So I understand where Parker's team are coming from. Um, but I'm also a bit, I get what you're saying as well. If, if Eddie Ayn said to, listen, Joe Parkin ain't getting six, five million plus anywhere else. No. Even Deontay Wilder. No. He ain't going to get more than five million quid. Absolutely not. So Eddie Ayn's kind of right to go, well, they are. But I get, see, Duco are just trying to look out for Joe, Mark, of course Joe they are. Parker. Of course they are. That's their job. So they're like, why accept five, six million pound flat rate check? When we're, we're, we're part of this show, we're going to put something on as well. We're bringing something to the table. So we just get a slice of the lot. That's the way to do it. We just get a fair slice of that. But the difference is, Joe Parker ain't Anthony Joshua. No. Joe Parker is not even on the same fucking radar as mm. Anthony Joshua. That's the problem. Anthony Joshua is heavyweight boxing right now. He's the biggest star in the planet. Probably world boxing. You know, we talked about this the other week that we wanted us to do a show all about Anthony Joshua. We need to wake up and go, we've got the fucking biggest star in the sport. And he lives here. He lives in London. He fights out of the UK. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He makes more money than anybody. You know, you could argue Canelo and people like that. But Canelo is on his, his career is kind of dwindling out. He's gonna probably going to fight Golovkin again. Maybe whatever. What I'm saying is Anthony Joshua has got potential to earn a lot more than Canelo ever earned. The potential with him is vast and he holds all the cards in the heavyweight division and Joe Parker and Bell you talked about this and we'll release this later on and I, I'd rather take words out of his mouth I'd rather hear how Tony Bell you explains how percentage cuts work and whatever else and p- proving yourself but Joe Parker's got to accept what's on the table accept the biggest payday of his career because and back himself if he wins back himself in the himself fight to win mm. or at least backs himself to you know well, he's going to back himself to win, let's be honest with you. Backs himself but really to believe win. it. That's yeah, what I mean, yeah. really believe backs it. Backs himself to win. Then his next paycheck is completely different. It's the other way around, mate. Exactly. That, 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 and that's what you do in the contract negotiations. You exactly. Say, now, during the conversation, he even dropped to 35% with me, right? So, really? yeah, so yeah. we went from 40%. Mate, I, even I knocked 5% off, so therefore there's <laughs> other people that can knock money off, right? Ring daddy. Just say, I've got, I've I've got, got you down, down to 35%. 5%. Can I have the other 5% <laughs> yeah. that I've just saved you? 1% of that 5% that you've Woo! saved. Yeah. That's, that's we'll have a bit decent. That. Yeah. But he, even that, right? So, And I personally think that would be fair. A 65 35 split if you if you if you honestly it's hard to say because i don't i don't we don't know exactly what a 100 of the whole profit pie from an anthony joshua fight is and to be honest 35 percent of a 65 percent and the fights happening at wembley yeah in front of eighty thousand is different than a 35 65 and the fights happening at madison square garden the gates are completely different the pay-per-view, yeah, the totally pay-per-view different. is completely different the pay-per-view in america is astronomical compared to the pay-per-view here bums on seats here astronomical compared to bums on seats there so that's where the conversation is now that's why it's it becomes difficult to make heavyweight fights mm. especially with multiple heavyweight champions mm. especially where guys 
like Duco, are, are like, wait a minute, we've built you. We, we've made this whole promotion in Australasia, and you're our biggest star on a global scale. We're trying to, they're trying to become Golden Boy. They're trying to be as big as Matchroom. They, so they're not going to, 6 million and we get 10%. Now, fuck that. They want 40% of the big pie because they know the big pie is a lot more than 6 million quid. Mm. 40% of the big pie is a lot more than 6 million. No, I agree with that. Listen, I like Joseph Parker as well. He's a down-to-earth, well-spoken chap. We've met him on a couple of occasions. He's a good kid. I hope he does get weighed in. I really do. I think he will. I think he'll get more than 6 million quid. Here's a caveat for you, right? Because this is where we're at at this moment in time. So there's um, a situation with uh, Char and Ustinov. They're going to fight. One of them's going to become the WBA mandatory, of which will then um, be Anthony Joshua's mandatory for his WBA belt because that's not been sorted out after all that Luis Ortiz shit, right? I know through speaking to people in the know, Eddie Hearn wants that next, right? The winner of Char and... He wants the WBA mandatory next, right? Because he's building. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to build and build and build to a situation where... We can maybe delay Deontay Wilder to 2019 and maybe do Josie Parker this time next year, right? That's what I'm being told is going on in his head. Eddie, I know you listen to the show. If you want to shoot me down, you're more than welcome to do it. Come on the show and, and tell me the crack, right? That's what I'm being told. However, I'm also being told Sky don't want that. No. Because off the back of what happened last time, They've absolutely gone crazy for the Klitschko fight. They know that the fans are there. They've gone absolutely bonkers. They want bloodthirsty world title unification. So that's what they want. They want the big boys. Of course. So you announce Pulev. Okay, it survives a little bit. Pulev pulls out, you have Takam. Luckily, it lived up. Yeah. It lived up. Yeah. But the name isn't necessarily there for the fans. So the next one that has to come along has to be something that they can really get the teeth into, that they can really sell. Ustinov and Char. Me and you know who they are. Mm-hmm. Does the man on the street know who they are? No. No, they don't. So therefore, Sky are pushing for the Josie Parker fight first. They want it for March, April. That's what they want. That's yeah. what they're pushing. So <clears throat> with that pressure, hopefully, there might be a little bit more leeway within that negotiation to get that fight made. Because I think us as fans want to see. Yeah. Because the chat's there, isn't it? We want to see, okay, Joseph Parker, we've seen him fight a Huey Fury, we've seen him fight a few kids. Has he been overly impressive? I told him that myself. No, I don't think you have. So let's step up to the plate and let's see how good you really, really are. Yeah. Bring your WBO belt, let's have a unification. Yeah. And then at the end of that, one of those guys is going to walk away with three of the belts and then they will have the salt and pepper on their side of the table. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I, I can also see Parker fighting the winner of Bellew Hay in March or April. And then the winner of that fight would either bow down to AJ or fight AJ in the late summer, early, early, uh, end, of, end of 2018. So what does Parker then do in the meantime? Because there's talk well, about... I mean. well, Parker, look, Parker would fight in March. Against Hay or, Hay Hay or, or Bellew. Bellew. And you would have potentially even, you know, in, in the run-up to AJ's next fight, which would be for the WBA mandatory... And then you would set that up as the winner. You know, Parker comes through that it's fight. A mess. The whole thing's a mess. Then because Parker AJ builds. Do you know who else is in this mix as well? Do you know our mates in this mix? Lucas Big Daddy. Oh, he's in the mix as well because he's calling for a shot with Josie Parker. Imagine that. Yeah. Imagine if he gets a world title shot with Josie Parker. Great for everybody in Australia. Yeah, everybody in Australasia. That's absolutely fantastic because Josie Parker's a superstar in New Zealand. Big Daddy's a superstar in uh, Australasia. But does the rest of the world give a fuck? Do they fuck? Nobody gives a shit. No. No, it's a great fight for... (laughs) It's a great fight if you can get it. 
But I think Joe Parker's right to be here. This is where it's happening here. This is where it's all... I don't know, Luke, Lucas Brown, is he still training with Hatton or is he managed by Hatton, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Dillian White's chucked his hat in the ring because he wants Lucas Brown. But Lucas Brown has told him to fuck off. I'm waiting for uh, Joseph Joe Parker. Parker. See, so and Joseph Parker's waiting for Anthony Joshua. Jesus, man, come uh, on, man. Exactly, yeah, Let's get yeah. this shit kicking. That, that's how I'd do it. I would go, okay, Lucas Brown, Dillian White, final eliminator, crack on. Uh, I would go, Joe Parker, you're going to fight the winner of Hey Bellew in March. And... Uh, AJ takes care of his mandatory around March, April time. So you're telling me that it's going to be Houston off? It will be Houston off. Oh, be Houston bleh, off yeah. Houston off, yeah. It's going to happen, man. As, as I said, you know, he's got to, you've got to take care of these mandatories, unfortunately. And I think that way you start 2018, you get AJ, dust the cobwebs off, you get this mandatory out the way, you build something up towards later in the year as a super big pay-per-view, which would be the unification fight. Bleh. Meanwhile, what's Wilder doing? Who knows what Wilder's doing, you know. Wilder wants 50-50% of everyone's pie. And while he might have the best belt out there, he brings, again, he he brings nothing to the table. He's not even a star in America, never mind the UK. Mm. Um, Well, hopefully we've cleared a little bit of that up. We're still going on heavyweights because there's so much going on in the world of the heavyweights. I know we've mentioned Joshua. Um, Did you see all this stuff with his Instagram and uh, Eddie Chambers? Have you seen any of that? Yeah. yeah. Where he's uh, been allegedly... (sighs) Right. This is what I'm led to believe. I thought it was a Blag account. I thought Chambers had been following a Blag Anthony Joshua account. But he's clicked on the account. He's made a video, right? So he showed the DMs on his Instagram. Mm -hmm. Allegedly, Anthony Joshua has direct messaged on Instagram Eddie Chambers, right? That's what he's allegedly have done, right? Calling him a bitch. And there is a little bit of a racial slur in there as well, all right? Now... Everybody connected to Anthony. I mean, he's not even said anything, but Eddie said that it's a Blag account. He said it's a fake account. Um, there's other people backing that up that it's a fake account. But Eddie Chambers made a video saying, here's the DMs. Yeah. He's clicked on the account that the DMs have come from and it's taken him straight to Anthony Joshua's verified account. Now, it could be a, it could be a camera trick. It could be a trick of the eyes. I don't know, right? Yeah. But why? Why is that even happening? For two things, right? First of all, am I asked? I don't even think I don't even think I'm asked, right? But then if it is true, if everything is legit and true and above board, why? I yeah. don't. I just don't get it. Why? That's what. That's what shocked me more than anything. I was like, why? Why is? Why would he be messaging Eddie Chambers? Who what? the fuck is Eddie Chambers? It's not even on the radar. Eddie Chambers needs them to. There was. That's the thing. That's why I was like, black account. I and then I seen the explanations. This is a black account because I was like. Why would he be getting involved with Eddie Chambers? Eddie Chambers needs this to be true more than anybody else on the planet. Eddie Chambers desperately needs Anthony Joshua to be in a war with words with him to build up to something he doesn't deserve. He's just lost his last fight. He's not in the mix. So how would you become in the mix? Or because the the, the champion that everyone says is whiter than white, and by that terms I mean you know is the white knight is, is clean. <laughs> you know, let's, let's not get don't get into in a that. racial slur, bro. Jesus what you doing? But, uh, you know, what, p- portray him as being a bad guy, portray him as being a bit of a dick, and, and then people are talking about you. And listen, it made every newspaper in this country, but that's no surprise because they're all shite these days anyway. It's all clickbait. But I, as soon as I seen it, I thought, that's great for Eddie Chambers. Fuck, I don't really care because I, I can't believe it would be true. Mm. Why would he suddenly have a fucking war of words with Eddie Chambers? It's completely unrelevant. Mm. One man that definitely is uh, attacking the old uh, social media is Tyson Fury. 
Um, and he's put a little he put a little poll out there last week, didn't he? Yeah, so, he's adamant that uh, Parker knocks out AJ. Mm. Keeps saying it, doesn't yeah, he? He does keep saying, saying that. Yeah. yeah, but for his own comeback, he's put a he's put a fourth fighter poll onto his social media. Mm. Who do you want to see the Gypsy King come back and destroy? This was, this was class, wasn't it? Absolutely class, right? So the first one was what we've just been talking about that Ustinov Char eliminator. Do you want to see him fight the winner of that? Mm-hmm. Well, 3% of Tyson Fury's <laughs> yeah. 50 million followers decided to say, okay, we'll see that. Yeah. Uh, there were three Was others. Was that Ustinov and Char? <laughs> yeah, and Ust- Ustinov and Char and, and all their mums and dads got involved with that as well, yeah. <laughs> there were three others on that. One of them was Pavetkin. As soon as I saw his name, I went, fuck off, you Jew said. I don't yeah, want yeah. to see him anywhere near anything ever again, right? What, did, what was the vote on that? He came up at about 16%. Yeah. Okay, the purists might fancy a little bit of that pie. Two yeah. other guys had a 40-40 split. One of them was Let's go champ He was on there Shannon the Cannon cannon. Can you imagine Tyson Fury And Shannon the Cannon Fucking hell Fuck me I want it to happen Just because It's it's panto season It's panto season Make it happen It would be amazing It would be fucking Absolutely bonkers Mm. Bonkers And the other one Was our mate Man So funny the, the tweet, because he, he was getting involved on it, and then, because oh, he didn't he say David Price, the big, uh, the big, big plumber, the big rigid plumber, or yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. But then Price's comeback was fucking unreal, wasn't it? Where he was just like, Listen, I'm the only man to beat you, the only English man to beat you, the last man to beat you. The Narasov's there, and uh, by the way, I'm just fitting a new three piece suite. Now, fuck, <laughs> he goes, Now, fuck off, I'm just about to fit an arm suite. <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant uh, I don't think the world gets to see that we're lucky enough that yeah, we've been in Pricey's company we've had him in the studio remember that time we had him in and he just fucking took his t-shirt off for no reason <laughs> I was just sitting there with no t-shirt on throughout the entire the entire interview class Pricey's got a brilliant personality that's why he's great to be around in the gym and everything else but it's just good that he, pushed, he showed a little bit publicly there as well and you know what I think there's I think that fight's inevitable. I think that will happen. Whether it's Tyson's comeback fight, I don't know. But I could see Tyson fighting David Price, definitely. Because the narrative's there and Sky would get behind that because they know the winner of that is a real... There's a real story for AJ. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, Tyson's Tyson, so the, the story's there. He's the lineal champion. And Pricey, if Pricey was to beat Tyson Fury, I'm not saying he would, he'd certainly start as underdog. The narrative's there with AJ as the two former Olympic uh, super heavyweight medalists. So, uh, listen, I, I genuinely think that's going to happen. But I also know that over the years, through all this animosity that went on between Tyson, Pricey, Tony Bellew was involved and everything else. He's gay lover. Yeah, he's gay lover, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> those videos have started circulating again. Again, really brilliant. But I know behind the scenes, they're actually mates now. They they're actually all... respect the fuck yeah, out of do. each other. And, and they're kind of like mates. But listen, that don't mean it ain't going to happen. That means uh, categorically those fights can happen. Mm. Um. Regarding another lad that we're quite fond of, Rocky Fielding, we know that he's fighting Eric Scoglin uh, on the Bellew undercard on the 17th. But I don't yep. know if you saw this, but Frank Warren's won a Commonwealth purse bid for Rocky Fielding, uh, Vigenda Singh. Mm. Uh, copper box, um, 31st of March of next year. This is yeah. what's going to happen. Frank, I'm sorry to disappoint you. This is what's going to happen, right? Yeah, Rocky's going to go in there. Fingers crossed he's going to beat Scogland. Then he's going to relinquish that belt. He yeah, won't yeah. be the Commonwealth champion off no. the back of it. That is what's going to happen. We had him in happen. studio, didn't we, last week? And uh, obviously this fight hadn't been announced then. Otherwise, I'd have mentioned it too. But he basically said as much. He was like, you know, I'm done at this level. I need to beat Scogland. I need to be ready when the World Boxing Super Series winner. He was kind of gutted that Frank never found him for the DeGale fight. He wanted the DeGale fight. He either took that fight in a heartbeat. Uh, he said, but he wasn't in the mix. So he, all he can do now is beat Scogland. And 
hopefully his world title fight will come. But that Commonwealth belt, yeah, he'll, he'll give that up. And speaking of Scogland, did you see the post he put out? No, I haven't. Go on. Uh, world Boxing. Uh, Callum Smith had done an interview, I think, with World Boxing Super Series. Uh, sorry, do you know what? Let me just say it might have been Joe Gallagher. Either Callum or Joe did an interview with World Boxing Super Series, and one of them said, "Listen, Bremer, it's not fair that we go to Germany. You know, it needs to be on neutral ground. Surely it's the semi-final." And Scoglin was like, "Oh, fucking, is that right? Is that fair? Is it?" Hint, hinting. I fucking went to Liverpool for the quarterfinal. Why won't you go to Germany for the semi-final? So he's still kind, of, and that's the first time we've seen Scoglin have a little bit Turn of it. a little bit of animosity back. Yeah, mm. but you know, he's kind of got a point. Yes, he has got a very much... Listen... We, I, right here, right now, we've been saying it. We think Callum Smith's going to Germany. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. No, I spoke to Callum Allen at the weekend. Uh, he wouldn't give me much, but he were he silent spoke uh, volumes. So basically, over the next seven days, might even have already happened whilst you are listening to this podcast, because the beauty of podcasting is that you can listen to this whenever you want. But as we're recording this, it hasn't yet been announced, but Groves Eubank Jr. will happen in Manchester, right? Yeah. February. Yeah. Mark that in. That's going to happen. Peace. And the reason why it's happening there is because the other venues in London, Wembley Arena, Copper Box and various things like that, one, aren't big enough, two, aren't available. The bigger venues are that they want for that particular weekend. So it's happening in Manchester Arena, all right? Class. The other fight, they are looking at Liverpool still for uh, Callum Smith and Bremer, um, but they're also looking at Berlin and they are looking at neutral venues. Yeah. I'm telling you now, Bremer... Def- Bremer sells. It's not happening in Liverpool. Bremer sells a shitload in Germany. Yeah, it's going to Berlin. I'm categorically, it's not going to Liverpool. Well, just off the back of the conversation, you could tell just wait, you could tell when someone's trying to avoid answering the question. Yeah, blowing a bit of smoke up your ass. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're going one semi-finals going to Manchester, and that's Groves uh, and uh, Eubank Junior. Yeah. We're going to Berlin for the other one. Whether we like it or not, we're going to Germany. They're not going to do a world boxing super series and have the semi-finals within 30 miles of each other. It's just never going to happen because no. it won't feel like the world boxing super series, mm-hmm. and it kills me to say because. Obviously, I want Callum to have home advantage, but categorically, I would put me house on it that it's going to Berlin. Mm, there you go. Uh, other big news this week: um, Oscar De La Hoya. Fuck's sake! <laughs> the fucking two-faced little snake. Yeah, he spends a year slagging off the mixing of boxing and martial arts and the money grabbers that are Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor. And then he has the audacity to do an interview and say, I'm back in training, I'm coming out of retirement because I'm going to whoop Conor McGregor in two rounds. He started the trash talk. You know that that plays into Conor's hands. You know that it's going to happen, mate, at some point. It's going to... Of course it is. It's... Do you know what? It's going to happen it's at some point. It's fucked up, isn't it? Of course it's fucked How up. fucked up is the world? How two-faced... Can Oscar be? Listen, during his fighting days, I was a massive Oscar De La Hoya fan. I mean, huge. Like, he was one of def- one of my top five favourite fighters of all time. I had it all going on. But since this Golden Boy run, man, and, and, and the, the, you know, the, the domination, really, of Golden Boy, and they bought Ring Magazine, and just some of the shit that he does, and then, obviously, the, a few years ago, we had the coke binge with prostitutes and the fishnet stockings. Okay, Cracker that, wasn't it? Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, but then this, this was like, last year, when he had all the animosity uh, towards Mayweather McGregor earlier in the year. Just bitter. That's that's get, what I mean. I was like, fucking hell, Oscar. You get them lemons out of your mouth, man. man. Exactly, yeah. Just like, fucking hell. Just ignore it. Just ignore it. Or, as we said, use it to sell Canelo to Triple G. As part of your promos go, when the circus is finished and that bullshit's over, come and watch the real thing. That's what he should have done. But mm. instead, he was like, oh, it's going to hurt boxing. Well, what the fuck is this going to do? 
you coming back age 40 odd to fight McGregor because you want to coin it in it's unreal man it's unreal how two-faced he's <laughs> isn't it it's the root of all how evil baby fuck he's it's... had a look he's gone 100 million exactly I'm the pay-per-view star in Mexico but he'll be thinking I'll beat Floyd he will I'll beat Floyd's pay-per-view I'll get it even bigger. Does and it? then Floyd's retired. And then Oof. I'll retire again. And I'll be the new record holder. <laughs> it's like an evil Bond villain. Like, Fuck I've got to outdo no. Floyd Mayweather. That's what it is. I'm gonna... And Connor's just sitting there going, pay me, man. Not a, <laughs> not a problem. Don't me. give a shit. Pay me. And listen, the way things are going in the US right now, you know, that they're, they're speaking about, we'll talk about this, no doubt, on our on our UFC show. Um, but, the you know, the Muhammad Ali act is growing closer every other week towards moving over to MMA. And once that happens, and Conor obviously is already strong-armed the UFC into letting have one boxing match, don't be surprised if he fucking forces the hand and strong-arms himself into this. You're right. Right here, right now, after what happened this week with Oscar De La Hoya and the two-faced bastard, <laughs> if you're going to say to me, you've got £10 to bet on who Conor fights next, where's it going? Mate. I'm now going £5 on Oscar De La Hoya, £5 UFC. Whereas if you'd asked me last weekend, I'd have put the whole tenner on the UFC. There you go, man. It's coming. Here's another one for you, right? I'm just going to chuck this out there. You can throw it down because we think you might be playing mind games because we spoke about it with Bellu this week, right? But mm. I'm going to put this out there because a few things have happened over the last seven days to make me really ram this home that it's definitely, definitely fact. David A is injured, right? Yeah. This is where I'm at. David A is injured. He ain't pulling out the fight yet. And he ain't pulling out the fight because he's skint. Right. So he's going to do a Tyson Fury. Is he the same thing he did with Tyson? He's going to try and let it play out until a month before the fight, a few weeks before the fight, and then pull out to try and postpone it rather than cancel it. He's going to try and hold and hold and hold and hold. I think he even might even ring walk. I think he might even fight injured because he needs that cash, mate. He needs it. But I don't think he's 100% fit. And the reason why I think this is, one... The rumours came out, didn't they? Yeah, There's yeah. no smoke without fire. Let's be straight. This has happened before. Well, I, I, I suggested that it was put out there deliberately to Maybe. Throw, throw Bell you off. We'll take this out, right? Last week, he had two what we would class as open media days where people could come down and interview yeah. him and do all the stuff and all that type of stuff. We had an exclusive one um, and we were part of a general one. Both were cancelled. Mm-hmm. Obviously, off the back, I met, I met, listen, I might be putting two and two together and coming up with five because of the rumours, first of all, then the cancellation of these particular things, then people within the camp mentioning various little bits and bats, conversation that we had with Tony a little bit earlier on this week. I mean, he don't give a fuck. He's just cracking on training no matter what, and he'll yeah, just yeah. get on with his business. Of course. But I've just got a funny feeling. When I was in his company about four weeks ago, and just listening to him talk, because he was already talking about retirement and various things like that. And I mentioned to him last time I saw you, your ankle were like spaghetti. Is your body holding up? All these types of things. He wasn't. He was a bit backwards in coming forwards in the way that he was talking. Very deflective. Yeah. And I've said it from day one, Anna. I, I said from day one, he ain't making the ring walk. Yeah. I've just got a funny feeling that either it's not going to happen or he's going to be injured fighting. Um. If he's injured fighting, it only ends one way, he gets knocked out. Of course. Um, I think he's going to struggle not to get knocked out anyway, to be honest with you, because I just don't... He's not the same David A he once was. That's a fact. Father time catches up with everyone. Um, but I just think, right here, right now, from a fan's perspective, all we know... Because people have been messaging me saying, is it true, is it true? Right now, all we know officially is that the fight is continuing. So we've just got to kind of full steam ahead into December the 17th and see what happens on the night. But the fact that he's cancelling appointments with organisations like Sky, 
like talk sport who have got a direct financial commitment investment to, this, to it yeah you know cancel with the local newspapers or even the national newspapers that's that's one thing but to cancel with people that are instrumental in selling this as a pay-per-view event i.e. making you more money that's when it becomes that's when it becomes important and that's when you think wait a minute what kind of injury is it that he can't even put on a little pad session show for for the likes of Sky or whatever else? He can't even just do a, a 20 minute, right? Have you got a bit for the show reel? Great, right? Who wants to know what? Let's sit down and have a chat. If you can't even get there, how bad is the injury then? Interesting, man. Interesting. I just hope it plays out. I hope we get to car, uh, to the O2 on December 17th and we've got a fight because when it was first announced, we spoke about it and we both said this fight ain't going to happen. This has got Fury versus Hay written all over it. Hay hey doesn't want it. Hay hey doesn't want it. And I just think the closer it gets, the more chance of it being postponed to January or February. And I just think that does Tony Bell you no favours. Because we sat in his company last week. He, he, he's he's ready, man. He's ready, to, he's ready to punch someone's face in and then he's ready to go, okay, where's my swan song? Where's me? Where's me out fight? Because it, psychologically he's getting there. If you start pushing him back into 2018, I don't think he waits. I think he goes, you know what? Fuck that. Get Parker on the phone, man. I've got six. Let's get the six million on the... Let's get Parker on the phone now. Fuck David Hay off. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that's... I just hope... that My biggest hope is that Hay doesn't pull out and they go, where's Dillian White? Because I don't want to Tony would that. fuck it off. He wouldn't do that anyway, no, I don't think. I don't there's no point that. in that fight. There's absolutely no, no money point. in it. No, there's nothing in it. No money in it. There's nothing in that fight. Absolutely no. nothing whatsoever. Um, anyway, I just thought I'd chuck that out there so then you've got me on record for when it happens in a couple of weeks' time. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, don't forget our clothing sponsor has a website which we want you to go and visit. Uh, Luke1977.com. FDLR15. That is the code. Go and use it. It's coming up to Christmas. You can get yourself some fresh togs there. Uh, Luke1977.com is the website. And the code is FDLR15. This weekend, uh, we're looking forward to uh, crowning a new light heavyweight uh, world champion in the WBO sanctioning body. Uh, that will obviously be uh, Sergey Kovalev. He lost it in his last fight. Um, and now he's refighting for the vacant title after Andre Ward hung up gloves and uh, packed it all in. Uh, Shabransky stands in his way. Sounds like a fucking racehorse that has been to go in the uh, Grand National to Shabransky, doesn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. I'm not backing him. I'm not backing Shabransky. I'm backing Kovalev to come back meaner, tougher. He's got a lot to answer because, he, he let's be honest, he shit out the last fight, he didn't he? He shit out. He so did. he's got a lot to answer. He's got to come in. He's got to do what we do. Uh, what we've known him to be doing down the years, the Crusher Kovalev, he's got to put some manners on Shabransky and then maybe light up this light heavyweight division once again. I don't know if he can, but I hope that he can. I think so, yeah. I think it's wide open for him now to make a run at it. I think Shabransky is a good opponent on paper. He's got a lot of knockouts. I think he's had 20 fights and one defeat. But the guy he lost to isn't, isn't anywhere near Kovalev's record, isn't anywhere near Kovalev's standard. He needs a big performance. He needs a big win. You know, he's... 31 fights undefeated before he ran into Andre Ward and then back-to-back defeats. So uh, Kovalev now is really fighting to to climb back on mm. top of this of this weight class. And, uh, you know, it's uh, back on happy stomping ground for Madison Square Garden. I think it's a, it, it's a fight. Really. You've got Ukraine against Russia in New York. It's kind of weird. but uh, It's live on Sky Sports. You'll be able to catch that in the early hours of uh, Sunday morning. Yeah. Make sure you check it out. And if, Jason Sosa's on the undercard I was going to say, well, yeah. if you're not asked about that, because I anticipate Kovalev to do some manners and get himself back in the uh, back in the mix. Jason Sosa, Yurikis Gamboa. Yep. That has got all the makings for something quite tasty, hasn't it? 
Definitely, yeah. You know, former two former world champions going at it. I don't think there's a belt on the line, is there? I don't think they've they've put anything to it. But this is up at Super Feather as well. Mm. Both of them did their best work down at Featherweight, so uh, massive fight for both of them. That's a that's that's the one worth tuning in for, I believe. I think mm. that's that's the big fight on there. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see that fight. Really excited. Um, and then, obviously, as we build up. Uh, the week after and the week after that and the week after that. We've got quite a few fights to get dead excited about. It's kind of, for the British fight fan this weekend, it's a little bit of a a, a, a downtime. I've no doubt you'll be pointing your attention towards Michael Bispin in the UFC, but it's a little bit more of a downtime before we get stuck into an unbelievable December, which sees the return of James DeGale, Lee Selby, Billy Joe Saunders fighting David Lemieux on the 16th. We've obviously got Bellew here, fingers crossed. Um, and... I'm going to do this under my breath before he goes a bit crazy. You've got to fight Lomachenko against Rigon Dow, all right? It's a big one. It's quite massive. It's also the final as well of uh, Miguel Cotto, which we'll be getting stuck into on December yeah. the 2nd, which we, we, we you know, oh, it, it, there's, there's quite a few things to get excited about in December. Uh, so this week's a bit of downtime. Enjoy the downtime. Um, and then the week after, we'll be going balls deep, literally, for three weeks, four weeks on the spin as we build right up until Christmas. Uh, so thank you very much for your time today. Don't forget to subscribe to us uh, via iTunes. You can get all our stuff on our website, fightdisciples.com. We're on all social medias, at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.